So why do we do missions? It's an important question. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, I believe John Piper has the correct answer. It's more than just obedience. There's, there's a compelling cause for missions, and that, that cause is worship. Um, this, this is what he says about that. Guys, can you put that up for me? Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Think about that. We have this one opportunity in this lifetime to live on mission for God. And the reason why we go on mission is because there are places in the world where worship doesn't exist. Right worship, correct worship. There's only one who is worthy of worship, and that is the one true God of the Bible. And, and there are many who have never heard of this God. They worship, but they do not worship in spirit and truth. And because they do not know his great name, God is robbed of glory. And so why do we do missions? So that God can receive the right praise that is due his name. He is a jealous God. He is jealous for his name because his name alone is worthy of worship. And so when we go, we go to bring light and hope. So those who are transformed from darkness into light, from hopelessness into hope, can rightly bring glory and praise to our God. And so we go for the praise of the glory of God. Because there are places where worship doesn't exist. And and worship doesn't exist because there is sin. And because there is sin, there's tribulation and there's pain and there's darkness and there's suffering. And that's what our world is filled with. But God has called us to live hopeful and be helpful. And to take that light into those dark places so others can know. And, and, and as we go, we go because we have hope. And this year at Living Hope, we've been discovering what hope is. And we've been looking through First John. And we've been looking at the different aspects of hope and what hope is. And what we're going to discover this month as we have a time to focus on missions, to consider how we can be generous towards the gift for Christ. And some of you begin to pray about whether or not you're going to go to Southeast Asia or or East Asia or West Africa or Southern Europe to work with refugees or Western Europe, Central America, wherever it is, God has partners for us, wherever we are going, maybe God's going to send you this year. But if not, he's calling all of us to give so that others can go. And this month we're going to talk about that. But in the midst of it, we're going to talk about it in light of our hope. We don't give begrudgingly. We don't give out of guilt. We give because we love God. And because he has given us hope and that hope drives us in the midst of a world where there is so much tribulation. Listen, God never promised us in this world that we would have a problem free life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said just the opposite. What did Jesus say in John 16? He's so clear about this. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. That's just how it is, guys. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And so the hope that we have is a victorious hope. Our hope is victorious over the world because of what Jesus has done. And what has he done? He's removed the punishment of sin. He himself has died to pay for our sin. More than that, he's been raised from the dead. He is a living God. He is now making intercession for us. We can now come before the throne of the Father, our great God in heaven, in the name of Jesus. We have access to the Father, and we do that in the power of his Spirit. And his Spirit abides in us as we abide in him. 
And as we live through life, and this is one of the great comforts that I have, God is sovereign. He is in control of every circumstance. The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which all God's children rest their heads at night. That's what Spurgeon said, and I have found that to be true. We know that our God is in control. We know that he has power beyond what we can imagine, and we know he loves us. So as we live in this world, listen, there's going to be stuff. It's going to feel like a fog. You, you and I, we're going to go through health crisis. We're going to go through relational crisis. We're going to go through financial crisis. We're going to go through all kinds of problems and pain, and that fog will sometimes get thick. And if you're only going to swim when, when you can see, and you're only going to swim when it feels comfortable and easy, you're going to sink. But God has said, listen, you can trust in me. My, the hope that I give is victorious over the world, and we can continue toward what God has called us to. I don't know if you know this name, Florence Chadwick. She's the first woman who, who ever was able uh, to attempt to cross the, from the Catalina Channel, uh, from Catalina Island all the way to California, 21 miles so in July 4th, 1952, she set out. It was a miserable day. The water was freezing cold. And the, the cloud, the fog was so thick, she couldn't even see the boats that were there uh, for her protection. They were there to come alongside. They were also fighting off sharks that were there. And so here this woman is swimming. She can't see. There's fog. She can hear her mom. Fifteen hours into it, she decides she can't go on any further. And her mother pleads with her. She begs her, keep going. You can do it. You're almost there. She continues to try, but it was too much. And she finally raised her hand. They had to pull her out of the water. Once she was settled, they showed her. And she was able to realize she was, she was almost a half a mile from the shore. She could have made it maybe 15 more minutes. And this is what she said. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think that if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Here's what happens in a lot of our lives. We're swimming in this cold world and there's fog and we can't see. And we have this voice that's encouraging us on that loves us and there's sharks that are being fought off, but we, we can't always see that shore. And so we have to live by faith. And, and living by faith gives us hope. We have to live by faith that the shore is there, that the voice is not lying, that the word of God is true, that what is ahead is what God has planned. He has not abandoned us. He's right there. And we can continue to swim. He will give us strength. We can make it. But the only way we can do that is by faith because you can't always see the hand of God. You can't always see what he has next for us. Many times we have to just swim and live by faith. And that faith gives us hope. Again, remember the words of, of Florence Chadwick. She said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Friends, we're not always going to be able to see ahead. We're not always going to be able to see the good that God is doing. Many times we have to simply live by faith and swim through the fog, knowing that God has already done everything necessary for our salvation, knowing that he is already with us, knowing that this world is not our home, that one day he's going to come back. And so that shore is our hope. 
We have to believe that it is there and to know that our hope is victorious over the world. And in our text today, we see how to live with that hope. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out with me now and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, what we're going to do <coughs> is we're going to read it through and then we're going to start in the back and then we're going to work our way uh, forward and then we're going to land somewhere really, really encouraging. And so let's all stand together in, in honor of God's word. I hope Nehemiah is going to uh, read for us. Nehemiah, get on up here, sweet girl. Oh, this voice is about to slay you, so just get ready for it. This is 1 John chapter 5 and we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. Hope if you would read this for us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The Word of God. Wouldn't you like to have the whole Bible read by her? Wouldn't that be awesome? Thank you, Hope. Wonderful job. If you would, go ahead and, and be seated. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about this, this, this hope that we have. Understand that this hope is external to us. Please hear me this morning. What, what we're talking about here is the Word of God. This isn't some kind of motivational talk, all right? This isn't some kind of pick-you-up kind of mumbo-jumbo junk, all right? It's not what this is. We're going we're gonna to look at the Word of God, and the Word of God tells us that our hope is external to us. Our hope comes to us by the hand of the Lord. We see this in, in a couple of Psalms. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. And that's what some of, some of us will do, some of you are doing today. You're saying, you know what? I can trust in my job. I can trust in my health. I can trust in my looks. I can trust in my income. I can trust in my intelligence. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to make it. And you know what? Some do that. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Those who live by faith trust in something that is external to us. Again, uh, another Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless it is God who is giving us hope, our hope won't last. The hope that we will build will always be washed away by the storms of life. And when the fog sets in, our hope will vanish. And with it, any energy, any kind of inspiration. But what God gives us is a hope that lives. It is a living hope. And this hope does not fail. But it comes, it comes as we choose to believe. As we look beyond our circumstance and we look to heaven and we can only do that by faith. So write this down and remember, hope that overcomes the world embraces Christ by faith. The scripture here is powerful. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Verse 4, what is it? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Say it with me. What is it? It is our faith. Our faith. What is our faith in? It's not in ourselves. Our faith is not for the sake of faith. No, what does it say? Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There is an object to our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. What a promise. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. 
this fog, this pain, all this stuff that overwhelms us. Who is it that overcomes? The one who, who believes, the one who has faith. Faith in themselves? No. Faith in them circumstances? Are you kidding me? What is our faith? What is the object of our faith? Our, the object of our faith is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come to die for our sins, the one who has overcome our sin, the one who has overcome death, the, the one who is sovereign over everything we go through. The reason we have hope is not because we don't have hardship. The reason we have hope is because God is with us in any and every circumstance. He has a plan for it. He has already worked to purchase us with his blood. He has already provided heaven as our home. Now he is with us in this life. Now understand, in Christ, we can live free of condemnation. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have conviction. Yes, we are no longer condemned. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But there will be times of conviction because God is working out our salvation in us. He's sanctifying us. And so there will be times when there will be fault, there will be challenges, that we will be convicted of sin. But there's no condemnation in that because in Christ we can overcome sin. Doesn't mean we're not going to face temptation. We are. But because of Christ... We can overcome sin because of his presence, because of his power, because of his love. In Christ, we can deal with life's heartaches and pains and disappointments and conflicts. Doesn't mean God's going to take us out of those, friends. Look, you're going to have dark days. There's going to be times when you're not going to want to get out of bed. There are going to be tough, difficult moments in your life. God does not, will not abandon you. He's there. He is always there. More than that, he has a plan for what you're going through. Are you being criticized? Are you sick? Are you facing turmoil financially or or relationally? God's not surprised. God's got a plan. He will not abandon you to that. And so you've got, like I've got, to keep our mind's eye on the shore of our hope. We can't always see it. The fog is thick. So we've got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, and hold to the promises. And remember, God is with us. And this hope, this hope is not something that that we have to to hold on to. This faith that, that is given to us, write this down, this faith is stabilized by the love of the church. God never intended us to try to hold on to this hope and to live by faith alone. Christ has always called us to live by faith alone in the community of the saints. To be with other believers who can encourage us and help us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ, this is verse 1. Let's go back to the beginning. Has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. This, (laughs) This Christianity thing is a team sport, all right? This is not golf, this is football, all right? Things will hit you in this life. Things want to hurt you. At the same time, God's called to play for us to also be on the offensive. And we need blockers. We need runners. We we need folks who can call the play. We need folks who can can carry it out. This is a team sport. You're going to get hurt sometimes. You need those who are there to pick you up. There's going to be times when others are hurt. Who will pick them up? Will you be there? God has called us to be in a community. In a Christian community, it's called a church. 
And I want to say this to you. If you live here in Bowling Green and you're not a member of a local church, join Living Hope. Join Living Hope this month. We have a membership class on Sunday, November the 15th. At the end of the service, go to Next Connect, go to the website, sign up, and join Living Hope. But look, don't just get your name on the roll because that helps no one. Be a part of what God's doing here. Commit yourself to being a member of a local family of faith for your sake, for our sake. Listen, I know some of you think, man, I got life. I got this. Hey, good for you right now. But here's the deal. While you're strong, there's people here that need you. And there's going to come a day when you're going to stumble and life's going to hit you so hard you can't even see straight. Who will be there for you? You need a small group. You need people that you serve and serve you. You need to be a part of being equipped in the faith. You need a church family. You need to have this. And listen, when you join this church, I'm going to tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find normal people who are not perfect. You're going to find normal people who have real needs and talk about them. You're going to find real people who are not always easy to love. So you will fit in perfectly. There's more room for broken hearts and broken lives that Jesus Christ mends by his grace. And you're welcome to be a part of this community who have found hope in Jesus Christ, who have this heart. See, God gives us this gift. He promised that he would, and he does by faith. He gives us this heart. It was promised in Ezekiel 11. And I will give them, notice the plural here, one heart. He gives his people this one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. God calls us to be on a team, in a church, in a community, not just our names on the, on the roster, our lives on the field living by faith together. Our faith is sustained by the church, by the love of the church. And this faith then embraces Christ and it enables us to obey God. Write this one down. This faith is expressed by obedience to God's commands. It is not made possible by obedience. This faith expresses itself through obedience. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And look at that. His commandments, what does it say? His commandments are, read it out loud with me. And his commandments are not, not burdensome. See, the very thing God has commanded us to do is the very thing we long for most in life. What has God commanded us to do? Jesus summed it up in two commands. Matthew 22, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You want to obey God completely, fully? All you got to do is love him and love people. It it fulfills all the law and commandments. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you love God, you fulfill the the first four. If you love 
one another. If you love your neighbor, you fulfill uh, numbers five through 10. Augustine, and I agree with Augustine, Augustine, some say, um, that really boils down to one thing, loving God. And I know some of you get really uncomfortable when I quote Augustine on this, but I gotta, I gotta convince you that this is right. You've got to see this, that, that what Scripture is saying is clear on this. If we love God, you can do whatever you want. And I know, please, I know, I can, already, I can already hear the emails being created in minds right now. Dear Pastor Jason, as I've asked you before, stop saying that. Just wait. There's a reason why we say it. It's because the, the fact of the matter is, if you love God, everything you do will reflect that love. Let me read the whole section of the sermon that came out of Augustine's words there. Love and do what, do what you will. That's, that's the statement. Whether you hold your peace, through love, hold your peace. Whether you cry out, through love, cry out. Whether you correct, through love, correct. Whether you, you spare, through love, do you spare. Let the root of love be within. Of this root can nothing spring but what is good. If the root of God's love in your heart is there, Everything that will come from it is good. Let me give you a paraphrase. This is helpful. Love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. So if we will love God, we will obey his commands. We can love God and we can do whatever we will. And what we will do is honor and obey him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Love is a powerful thing. Love as one man has sung, sung, will make you give up your converse and stand out in the pouring rain. Y'all know that one, right? Love has this unbelievable, inspirational force within it. it. It'll cause a tired mom to get up in the middle of the night and feed a crying baby. It'll, it'll cause a man to keep his mouth shut. It, it, it'll, it'll cause a child to, to do what a parent has said rather than what friends are doing. There is a power in love. And this love, when we have it for God, it leads us, it compels us to obey God, which brings this ultimate blessing. Because you know what we all want? We all want to love. We all want to be loved. And we want our life to be filled with love. And this is what God has commanded. And this is what happens by faith. Is we love God, we trust in in what Christ has done on the cross, and we believe And then we live for something that is bigger than us. This love will compel us to have a hope that will give us a greater purpose. Write it down. Hope that overcomes the world, it engages the world with faith. It engages the world with faith. When you love God, you obey God. And one of the things that God has told us to do is is not to go hide in some holy huddle, but to engage in the world. Uh, Take your Bibles and turn with me to John 17. Let's look at this quickly. Let's look at and be reminded of what Jesus is saying here. God sent the Son from heaven to earth on mission. And God has now given us this love that we live in it by faith, which gives us hope that overcomes the world. And even though the fog bears down, even though all this stuff happens in life, God compels us to continue to swim by faith in this world and to trust his purpose. And what is his purpose? This is a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples, prayed for us. Let's begin in verse 14. 
It says, I have given them your word, and the, word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. You know, there are days, if I'm honest, when I would have preferred that at the moment of my salvation, the Lord went ahead and taken me home to heaven. But that's not his purpose. God's purpose is that we swim through this cold world with sharks all around and and at times in a dark fog by faith. And that faith gives us a hope that overcomes the world. And we, we trust him and we go and we do things that, that are overwhelming at times. I think about a story I heard Bob Russell, former pastor at Southeast Christian, share about a little girl who'd come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. She put off a baptism. And, and finally, at the beginning of that summer, she told her mom and dad, at the end of the summer, I'm going to be baptized. And that summer, her parents noticed that she was unusually affectionate and she didn't want to be as much with friends, mostly wanted to be with with parents. And uh, on the morning of her baptism, she seemed to be putting her room in an uncharacteristic order and hugged her dog and was telling everything and everybody goodbye. And her mom said, sweetheart, why are you doing this? You know we're coming back to church after lunch. And she said, not me. She said, honey, what, what do you mean? And the little girl explained. She thought that after she was baptized, see, there were these stairs that would lead out of the baptistry into an area that people couldn't see where everyone would go and change. This little girl thought after her baptism that she would go up those stairs and that God would take her to heaven and she would have to leave her home and her family forever. What? not knowing what was ahead, that she would, she would tell her mom and dad goodbye. She would tell the world that she knows the comfort there. I must leave you and I must go to a place that I don't know about. It's far away, but I know God beckons me there and I will go. Is that our faith? Is that your faith? Are you a person who would say, God, here I am, send me, I'll go. I'll go to West Africa. I'll go to Southeast Asia. I'll go to East Asia. I'll go to Central America. I'll, I'll go to, to serve those refugees. I'll go. I'll go wherever you want me to go. How many of us would say, tomorrow when I go to work, I'll go and I'll stand for Jesus Christ and I'll pray and I'll share the hope I have. I'll go to that classroom. I'll go to that neighbor. I'll go to that family member, places where I live, work, learn, and play, and I will share the hope I have. How many of us would say, like that little girl, here I am, Lord. I will give up all comfort, and I will go because you compel me to go. I am quite certain that almost all of us in this room would say yes, but won't because of the fog because bills 
and circumstances and fears and all the stuff of the world and all the sharks and all the discomfort of the cold, all that would be there will keep us from that. And there's this distant shore that beckons us. It is the will of God. And the only way we can get there is by faith. And that faith will give us hope that we'll overcome. Florence Chadwick, let me tell you what she did. So she failed July 4th of that year. Two months later, she gets in the water. The waves are actually bigger that day. It's, it's, it's worse than the first time. And yet she made it. And here's why. She said, I kept in my mind's eye that shore. I didn't focus on the waves. I didn't focus on the pain. I didn't focus on my circumstances. I was focused on what was ahead. She was living by faith. She had an object of faith, that shore. What is the object of your faith today? If it is not Jesus Christ, it will fail. If your faith is in you, if it's in your job, it's if in your looks, if it's in your health, if it's in someone else, all of those will fail you. Jesus Christ won't. He will forgive you of all your sin and he will love you through this life. Are you living by faith, Christian? Does faith characterize your decision-making? Do you have a hope that overcomes the world or has the world so intimidated you that you won't share, that you're caught up in the system and you're not going to stand and you're not going to go and you're not going to give and you're not going to live in this life by faith? Friends, step out. Get on your knees and ask God to do a miracle. Ask God to make a way. Ask God to help your unbelief. And ask God to enable you to live by faith in Christ alone so that you can have a hope that overcomes the world. It is a victorious hope. Now I want to invite you to receive it, to bask in it, to thank God, and to ask Him to enable something to happen that you know needs to happen right now. I want to invite you to come and pray after, after I've prayed for you and as we sing. So let's stand together and let's pray together. Father God, I know that there are so many that are here today who claim faith and, and who want to have this hope that is victorious over the world. But Lord, that requires faith in you. And we can't let our circumstances define how, how it is we approach life. We have to trust you. So God, I pray for some who will come right now and ask you to forgive them of their sin and take over their life and redeem them that they might live a life of hope. And then for others who have this saving faith already, that you would fill them with hope and that they would confidently come and ask you now to change a circumstance, to change their heart, to give them what they need to go forward in this cold, dark world, to take your light and to be a light. So God, hear them as they pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and pray as we sing together.